What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. And before we get into the pod today, I just want to explain the absence of an episode on Wednesday. If you didn't happen to see what I posted on my social media accounts, I was unable to record this past week or so because my voice has been, as you could say, out of service. Um, So if I tried to record a podcast, it definitely would not have sounded good. So I just decided to, you know, make the decision to not record a podcast. Hopefully you guys uh, found a good way to spend that that extra 30 minutes to an hour that you're used to giving to me on Wednesday. Glad you guys are back listening to this podcast. We're going over, as the title says, hot takes today. So everyone runs their hot takes a little bit differently. Some people, their hot takes are, you know, things that they could see happening, but things that they won't project. Other people, their hot takes, and this is the side that I land on, are things that they do project to happen that are very different from what everybody else expects. So that's what my hot takes are. I feel like the hot takes that people, you know, could see happening, but they don't project themselves. It's cool. I mean, it's nice to hear those things when you, you know, people have those hot takes and it's something that's spicy and it's, you know, ooh, that sounds awesome. That might happen, yada, yada. But the thing is, is they don't actually have it projected that way. They're not saying that they think it's going to happen. They just see a possibility. I like my side of the coin better because I actually believe it will happen. Like, I have the conviction behind my statements when I'm giving them to you. I'm not just saying, you know, oh, this could happen, might happen, and then, you know, nothing against me if it doesn't. No, this, you can hold them against me if these hot takes don't happen because these are hot takes I am projecting. So with that said, we can go ahead and get started. I'm going to start off at the quarterback position with my boy, the one who has his own podcast episode, Tyrod Taylor. Here's the hot take. Hot take number one, Tyrod Taylor starts all season for the Chargers. It's a two-parter. So if this one goes down, y'all better be giving me some credit because I know I'm going out on a limb when I project stuff like this. Tyrod Taylor starts all season for the Chargers and finishes the year as a top 12 quarterback. So not only does he start all season, not only does he finish top 12, but both. Both will happen. So here's the thing. I know I just said I only say things that I have projected. You might look at my rankings. Those of you that are, you know, nifty, you might look at the rankings. See Tyrod Taylor's at quarterback 15. Brandon, why are you lying to us? Here's the thing. I'm not lying because we know quarterbacks every year will miss games just like any other position. So if he puts up what I haven't projected, yes, in my projections, it puts him at quarterback 15. But if you look at that point total that I haven't projected for every year, that point total is in the top 12 for the position. So if he actually does what I have projected, I'm sure he'll finish in the top 12. Because like I said, part of my projection is he starts all season. So that means he's not going to be sorry, we just had news come in as I'm recording. So I'm recording this on Thursday. Travis Kelsey just got extended by the Chiefs 57 million, I believe is the number that I just saw pop up on my phone. But with that aside, continuing on Tyra Taylor, the thing is, is I haven't projected to start all season, so obviously I don't think he's going to miss games. Guys in front of him are going to miss games, so he's going to end up in the top 12. So that's my first hot take. It's going to happen. The Chargers are going to make the playoffs, 
and you know they're gonna have a great season and I'm excited to to see what Tyrod can bring to the table to the table and uh, I definitely have him on like 90% of my rosters so that's hot take number one then we can go into hot take, hot take number two also at the quarterback position Joe Burrow Joe Burrow will throw the ball somewhere near 600 times and finish as a top 12 quarterback so what's somewhere near you know, that that's kind of general. Maybe I'm trying to cheat it a little bit by saying somewhere near. So I'll say this. Within 25 passes of 600. So he'll be between 575 and 625. And he's going to finish as a top 12 quarterback. Joe Burrow has so much more rushing upside than people seem to realize. And I really think the Bengals are set up for, you know, offensive fantasy football success, much like the Bucks have been over the last three years. Bad defense, yes, the Bucks defense came along at the back half of last season, but just the Bucks that we've known over the last three, four years. Bad defense, will pass the ball a lot, have good receivers, and a subpar O-line, but it still doesn't affect them that much because they're always having to throw the ball anyways. So that's what I see the Bengals being this year, and I think that they can be one of these low-key teams that provide huge value all across the board. A.J. Green could be a value. T. Higgins is definitely going to be a value. Tyler Boyd is the biggest value in fantasy football this year. And Joe Burrow is a huge value. The only person that might not be a value is Joe Mixon because he's being drafted like RB8, RB9 off the board, and he kind of lacks in that receiving. But who knows? If they decide to throw the ball to him more, like they've been saying this offseason, that they want to throw him the ball more, if that happens, if that comes through, Joe Mixon could easily be a top five running back. And then every single person in that offense returned value. Every single person. And so I feel really strongly about this too. Joe, Joe Burrow's my quarterback eight, right behind Carson, who's at seven. And he's actually in the end of that tier. Like him and Carson Wentz are a specific tier for me. So after quarterback eight, I think there's a good enough drop off to feel firm that Joe Burrow stays as top 12 this season. So that's my second hot take. Still at the quarterback position, hot take number three, Gardner Minshew plays great, finishes top 12, but here's, this is the risky part. You guys ready? But also gets the Jaguars to commit to him as the future. That's the spicy part. If you look at every single mock draft, Every single mock draft for the NFL, not fantasy football, NFL mock drafts for 2021, if you look at them right now, you will see the Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one overall pick and take Trevor Lawrence. By this hot take, which I have projected, by this statement, what I'm saying is the Jaguars are not going to have the number one overall pick. They will not be the worst team in the league. They're probably going to be better than the Bengals. I wouldn't be surprised. Look, we were just talking about the Bengals, how much they're going to have to throw. Their defense is bad. They have a good offense and whatnot, or they'll have a good offense for fantasy purposes because of the volume, and there's some good talent there. But let's be real. The Bengals, what did they win last year? One Was it one game or two? I don't even remember. I think it was one game. They won one game last year. They're adding Joe Burrow, but this is the worst offseason to have a new you know, starter, much less at the quarterback position, much less that they're a rookie. And so is it plausible that they're also, or that they are the worst team once again in the league? Very, very much so. Could the Dolphins be the worst team in the league? Uh, I wouldn't say so, but I think they're probably still top five. Um, the Jets, they could, especially with all their defensive opouts, they, they might be worse than the Jaguars. I mean, I don't think that it's a lock that the Jaguars are even top three. They might not even be top three. So I really think that Minshew can play himself into a starting role for at least at least next year in Jacksonville. And he has great rushing. 
He's going to have to throw a lot. He's going to be great for fantasy. So with that said, that's the top three so far. I have Tyrod, top 12, Joe Burrow, top 12, Minshew, top 12. And all of them have their little, you know, side caveats. Then hot take number four, Tom Brady leads the league in touchdown passes. This is the best receiving core, including tight end and receiver. So not just receivers, receivers and tight ends combined that Tom Brady has ever played with. It's better than the Welker Randy Moss cast, in my opinion, because Mike Evans is a top five receiver in this league. Chris Godwin is easily a top 10 wide receiver in this league. He was ranked as the number two slot receiver, and I think it was the number eight or number nine outside receiver. So he's top 10 in both categories. The average of that is about five or six. So he's a, a clear top 10 guy too. So we got two top 10. I say we because I'm a Bucks fan, but that don't let that affect you. Don't let that you know, make it seem like, oh, Brandon's just, you know, projecting for the Bucks because he's a Bucks fan. No, trust me. I'm very good at not being biased in fantasy. Um, I, like, for example, like two years ago or last year, I was really low on one of the Bucks that everyone was really high on. Um, just, you know, I, I'm good. You just got to take my word for it, all right? Just take my word for it. I'm good at not being biased because what do I care about most when I'm doing my projections? It's the accuracy. I could care less if I make my team look good or not. I just want to be accurate, right? So that's one thing that you can just trust to get from me always is I'm going for accuracy. I don't care about who my team is, whatnot. So I honestly believe, even if I was not a Bucks fan, I honestly believe Tom Brady will lead the league in touchdown passes or at least be super close. I have him projected one passing touchdown more than Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes. I have Mahomes and Brees tied at 35. I have Brady at 36. So he's got an amazing cast of receivers. The Bucks are in a super, super offensive-minded division. The Saints, one of the best offenses in the league. The Falcons, one of the best offenses in the league. And the Panthers now have Robbie Anderson added to Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and even Curtis Samuel if you want to throw him in there. So even though they're not going to be like a super proficient offense, they're still a good offense. They, they got some key players. The Bucks are going to be playing in a lot of high-scoring games. They also play the Packers, the Chiefs, and, you know, other guys. But... They have a schedule that also favors some very high-scoring games. I think Tom Brady's going to lead the league in touchdown passes. It only puts him, though, at my quarterback, I believe. Let me think for a second. I don't have it right in front of me. I think he's my quarterback 11 behind Minshew. Um, He's like 11 or 12. But Brady is, you know, somebody that I, I really just believe in this year. But he doesn't have a huge ceiling because I have him leading the league in touchdown passes, and he's only you know, a back-end quarterback one for me. So he's not somebody I'm drafting at all, just because of that fact. Then we move on to hot take five. This one, so the last four were pretty positive. This one is going to be negative. Aaron Rodgers finishes outside the top 12 quarterbacks, and I don't even think it's a hot take. Honestly, I put it in here because some of you guys are going to be flabbergasted. What? Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers? Come on, guys. From, as the, the words that he said himself, Relax. R-E-L-A-X. Just relax. Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't need to throw the ball as much as he has been in his career. He also doesn't have nearly the good offensive cast he has in his career. His defense is way better now than it ever was in his career. All of these things are playing to one thing, and that's that the Packers are going to run the ball more and pass less than what Rodgers is used to and what Rodgers did when he was great in fantasy. And honestly, even if he was as efficient as he was 
and he had the past attempts I have him projected for, he wouldn't be top 12 because I have him way outside the top 12. That's why I'm super comfortable with this one. And I've hit on Aaron Rodgers the last two years. Two years ago, when everyone had him inside their top five or top three, he was my either five or six, and I was right. I was the you know the lowest one on Rodgers. Everyone had him guaranteed top three, guaranteed top five, and I had him outside, and I was right. He didn't finish there. Then last year, I had him even lower. I had him like eight or nine, and everyone had him at like five or six. And guess what? I was on the right side of that again. I think the, the trend's going to continue, except I think it's going to take a much bigger dive this year, especially because we just have so many good quarterbacks in the league right now, and the ones that aren't that good can run the ball, so they're good for fantasy. So I think Rodgers is going to continue to go down. Some of you guys want to play the motivation card. I get it. Yeah, they drafted a first-round quarterback, and he's going to be pissed off. But he's not the one who is deciding. I mean, maybe he is, but from what I know, he's not the one who is deciding the play call. That's part of the reason why him and LaFleur were butting heads when, like, during the offseason last year before their first year together and whatnot because LaFleur was kind of trying to take control of the offense instead of letting Rodgers do his own thing. But, I mean, they were 13-3 and last year, so I know it was, like, not a, a pretty 13-3, and and it was, like, very close to being, like, 9-7. and But the thing is, is what LaFleur did was working, and so he's probably going to stick to it. And they drafted an, uh, a running back, A.J. Dillon, in the second round. Not a receiver. If they were planning on letting Aaron Rodgers just let it rip, they would have helped him in that part of the game instead of bolstering a part of the game that was already strong last year. And they decided to do that. So I expect them to be heavy run, heavy defensive oriented team, very much like the Titans have been. I think they're kind of moving that direction. You guys have heard me say that a lot. So Aaron Rodgers is not going to finish inside the top 12 quarterbacks. Hot take number six, still on the quarterback position. Drew Locke plays well. I think he'll play well and it'll be efficient, but he will throw the ball so little he finishes outside the top 20 quarterbacks. So a lot of people peg Drew Locke as somebody that is a good breakout candidate, somebody that you could take late that might end up being really good for fantasy. How, in what world can Drew Locke, knowing the quarterback he is, and, and we'll talk about him a little bit, in what world can he finish as like a top 10 quarterback without throwing the ball more than 600 times? Because that's definitely not happening. If there's like something you want me to bet, something like, like I told you guys, I don't bet. But if, um, you know, if I had to bet on something for the NFL, like one of the things I'd be the most convicted on is Drew Locke is not getting near. He's not touching 600 pass attempts. No way. They're going to have a top five defense or very close to it. They have three, three amazing, not amazing, three really good running backs. Melvin Gordon is really good, Phillips Lindsay's really good, and Royce Freeman is good. So they have three really good running backs, an amazing defense, and they only threw the ball 500 times last year, like on the dot, not like me rounding, like they threw 500 times. And you think they're going to throw all of a sudden, they're just going to unleash Drew Locke to throw like 600? No. He was throwing, he, he was on pace for 498 last year. Yes, I know, they got, you know, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler now, and even Albert O. But they also got Melvin Gordon, and they also got, I think it was Jarrell Casey, and they also got A.J. Boye. So they added just as many pieces to their defense and run game as they did to their passing game. So don't tell me he's going to throw 600 times. And so what else would he need to be that good in fantasy if he's not going to throw that much? Rushing yards. What does Drew Locke not do much? Run. So if he's missing the rushing and he's missing the pass volume, I think he can play well. I think he'll do good. He's got a lot of weapons. It'd be hard not to be good. But... It's going to be hard to be good for fantasy. So that's my sixth hot take. 
we are going we are going to hit 17. So we're at six now. Moving into seven, Le'Veon sees efficiency spikes all across the board with the Jets' offensive upgrades. Those offensive upgrades are three three new offensive linemen that are probably all starting, and Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mims, and is a borderline RB1. So Le'Veon sees efficiency spikes all across the board with the Jets' offensive upgrades and is a borderline RB1. I have him at RB15 right now, but if he stays healthy and a couple guys miss a couple games in front of him, the numbers I have him projected for will make him a borderline, if not, you know, like RB9 or 10. So I think he's a very good pick. I love taking him in the fourth round. Every time he's in the fourth round, I snag him immediately. I think that's a steal. You're getting somebody that has such a high floor. I just did my consistency. Oh, man, I need to talk about that too today before I let you guys go. Um, I did my consistency ratings like all my charting, it's something that I do like specific to me. So here, here's one thing about me. Everyone does consistency. Well, not everybody, but you know, a lot of people will talk about consistency and on other podcasts, what do you always hear them say? This guy was a wide receiver one, this percentage of the time. He was a wide receiver two, this percentage of the time. I like that. That's cool. But I think I have a way that's better. And my way is to give you a point total, because here's the thing. If you say Julio Jones was a wide receiver one, 60% of the time. That means 60% of the time he was top 12 on that week. But that tells you nothing about his points. Because one week, you might need 16 fantasy points to be top 12. The next week, you might need 23 points to be top 12 because you just had a whole bunch of wide receivers explode. So is it really telling you consistency? Not really. It's more relative to you know the other players that week. But that's not telling you the consistency that he gave you like by himself, which is what matters because, you know, every week what everyone else does is going to be completely different. So you can't use that as your measurement system, in my opinion. So for me, what I do, I have three categories when it comes to consistency. I have my boom, my boom weeks for, uh, we're, right now we're talking about um, Le'Veon Bell. So for running backs, a boom week is a week that you get more than 20 points. Then you have a good week. A good week is a week you get more than 15 points. We're talking about PPR. And then you have a serviceable week. It's not great, but they didn't kill you. They didn't lose you your matchup. They got more than 10 points. So Le'Veon Bell had one of the highest serviceable consistency rates last year among all of the running backs. He was in the 80s. Le'Veon Bell is so consistent. And to have that as your RB3, at least he's always my RB3 because you guys know I slam running back high. So I'm getting him in the fourth round. I've already got two running backs. Getting Le'Veon Bell as your RB3, or even if you're if he's your RB2, it's so consistent and reliable. He's basically never getting you less than 10 points. I would be surprised if, or not, sorry, I would not be surprised if he does not get less than 10 points one time this year. He could very easily be, because last year he was super consistent and he was not efficient at all. This year, I think he's going to be way more efficient. And if he's going to be more efficient and getting near the same workload, and he looks great. Like if you guys are following, you know, what he looks like and what Adam Gase is saying, Adam Gase is saying he wants to feature Le'Veon Bell now. And he's also saying he wants to run more plays. He's trying to hit instead of like the 55-ish mark offensive plays, he wants to hit like the 65-70 mark. So if any of these, you don't need any of these to come true, but if any of these do, that's going to help Le'Veon Bell even more because I already think he's going to be more efficient. So he's going to be super safe, high floor. And he also has a decent ceiling. Because if he just takes in a touchdown on a week with the workload he's getting and the receptions, he's going to be really good for you. So Le'Veon Bell, borderline RB1. Hot take number eight, staying at the running back position. Nick Chubb is ruined by Kareem Hunt's receiving chops 
and finishes outside the top 12 running backs. Once Kareem Hunt came back last year, Kareem Hunt took 73% of the running back receptions away between him and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb was only getting 27% of the running back receptions between him and Kareem Hunt. Also, Kareem Hunt took more touchdowns once he was back than Nick Chubb did. Kareem Hunt was also more efficient in the red zone than Nick Chubb was. Nick Chubb got used more in the red zone, yes, but he wasn't as good. We have a new coaching, or, you know, a new uh, offense, goodness gracious, offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski came in as the head coach, but he's probably going to be calling the plays for the Browns, and we don't really know how much is going to use Kareem Hunt, how much is going to use Nick Chubb. I think they're both going to be good. They're going to help that Browns offense you know, have one of the best rushing attacks in the league. I have Nick Chubb actually leading the league or second in the league in rushing yards. But I think losing the receiving and a low touchdown upside is really, really going to hurt him. So I have him outside the top 12 running backs. He's like my RB18. So I think it's pretty safe for me to, to say to outside the top 12. So I'm not touching Nick Chubb, not touching him. I would take Le'Veon Bell before Nick Chubb because Nick Chubb's floor is scary. Um, it's not like horrible, but for where you're drafting him in the second round, it's pretty scary. Then hot take number nine, still at the running back position. Ronald Jones is the clear lead back in Tampa Bay and finishes as an RB2. So inside the top 24 running backs. LaShawn McCoy was just added and I'm not worried about it. If anything, it has made me more confident in Ronald Jones. How does that make sense, Brandon? That makes no sense. They just added somebody who's going to take more stuff away from him. Well, here's the thing. It makes sense because once LaShawn McCoy was added, we had another person that has eyes on that backfield. And all they did was talk about Ronald Jones. LaShawn McCoy was saying, this is Ronald Jones backfield. I am here to help Ronald Jones become better. I am here to unlock Ronald Jones potential. I am here to help Ronald Jones take the next step. Everything he has said has basically been, I am Ronald Jones's mentor. That's basically what he has been saying. Yes, he might be that third down guy and might take a little bit of receiving from Ronald Jones. Here's the thing. I was not one of the guys, even though I'm high on Ronald Jones, I was not one of the guys that had Ronald Jones projected for a lot of receiving work. I wasn't. And so did I touch his receiving work once LaShawn McCoy was added? No, because I had most of the receiving work going to Dare Ogumbawale, and that's where LaShawn McCoy is going to take his receptions from. It's from Dare. And maybe like one or two from Ronald Jones, one or two from Kashawn Vaughn. So I think Ronald Jones is going to be great. He's going to be in a great offense. He's very efficient in the red zone inside the five. He, you know, is good at taking the rock home. He's going to be even better this year. And the Bucks are going to be playing with leagues more leads more often. So they're going to be able to run the ball more. Ronald Jones is going to be great. So bookmark it. This is a podcast that you bookmark because this podcast is one where everything I'm saying, most people don't agree with. And not only that, but when I'm right, oh, it makes it so much sweeter. So, you know, I'm going to keep my eye on this podcast because once the season's over, if I hit on like half of these, I'm going to be running so many victory laps and y'all are not going to hear the end of it. You you will. I, I'm not going to glow. But I'll definitely, you know, use it to make you guys feel confident next year when I have more hot takes and then you're like, oh, what were his hot takes good last year? And I'll be able to, you know, point back to these because I feel really good about these hot takes this year. Um, And I was actually like, I hit like 50% uh, on my hot takes from last year. I was looking at them from last year and they were really good too. So I'm feeling pretty good. You can count on like half of these to go through. Also, before I continue to hot take number 10, I just want to say 
I really appreciate all the support you guys have given me. I uploaded my free draft sheets on Twitter and I have like over 15,000 impressions and like 1500 interactions. And every time I go to my Google Sheets now, I see how many people are viewing it and I have a lot of people always on my Google Sheets now. So I love the support you guys are giving me. It makes me feel like everything that I'm doing is worth it. Um, and you know, I put more than 100 hours into that free draft sheet. That free draft sheet is my heart and soul. That is my baby. And you know, the more you guys use it, the happier it makes me. You guys can see live changes as I do them. And when I do changes, I update the date in the top right corner so you can see the last time I updated it. And you know, you could just be confident that I'm always putting the most work in compared to anybody you are thinking of. And here's the other thing too. I have my VORP, my value of replacement in there. Most people won't have that. You won't see that anywhere, especially on a free draft sheet. I also have my consistency ratings in there. I did all of that in a day or two days. It took me a long time. I basically woke up and did consistency ratings for like eight hours um, for all the players and uploaded them uh, in there. And I'm sure a lot of you guys saw it. So I just want to say, please, if you haven't checked it out, go check out the free draft sheets. It literally is free. It costs you nothing. You can even download it, edit it to your own liking. I have my equations in there. It's basically Excel, but it's Google so that you guys can, you know, access it because Excel doesn't have like a free online thing like Google does. Um, so yeah, if you guys haven't checked it out, check it out for me. And I also want to say thank you to the, you know, the number of you guys that donated uh, to me for the draft sheets because I know I had my Venmo there at the bottom in case anybody wanted to. Um, so I appreciate you guys that did that. That was awesome made my day honestly and with that said i'm going to continue into these hot takes hot take number 10 antonio gibson antonio gibson will have this is a good one guys hope you're ready for this buckle up antonio gibson will have more fantasy points in his rookie season than jk dobbins and deandre swift both not one i didn't pick one i didn't make this easy for myself i didn't say he'll have more fantasy points in his rookie season than jk dobbins or deandre swift no both deandre swift and J.K. Dobbins, and if he doesn't do it more than both, it doesn't count. So, why? Why? Because of the receiving. DeAndre Swift is a great receiver. I love him. He was my RB1 coming into this draft, but him and Carrion are probably going to split, split work across the board. Plus, he's also competing with Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, TJ Hawkinson, Kenny Galladay. So, there's a lot of mouths there to feed. Whereas, in Washington, Calvin Harmon just got hurt. Terry McLaurin's the only guy there, really. Steven Sims kind of came on last year, but he's not established yet. So really, what? and Darius Geis is obviously out now or got released. Obviously, you know, there's a completely different situation in Washington than in Detroit. And Chris Thompson last year was on pace for 84 targets. Um, and on a 16-game pace, he only played 11. But if he played 16, he was on pace for 84 targets. And guess what? That was with the Redskins passing 479 times. You think they're only going to pass 479 times? No way. They're going to pass at least 500, probably around the 520s. So you can move that receiving running back mark up if you keep it the same target share, which it might be higher this year because, you know, they basically have Terry McLaurin and Steven Sims, and that's it. Receiver-wise, everyone else is pretty much new. Um... And, you know, when there's a bunch of new people, usually the targets will go more to the running back position. So if you just kept the target share the same with the increase that you're giving the Redskins passing offense from like 479 to about 520, 
that's putting about 100 targets to the running to that running back role not the running back position as a whole just that number one receiving running back and that's the rule i think antonio gibson is taking i have him in the 90s for targets and that's and he's a, he's going to be efficient he's going to get a good amount of carries he's going to get more carries than chris thompson ever got so do I think his ceiling is that of DeAndre Swift? No, of course not. If Carrion goes down, DeAndre Swift is probably a top 12 running back or very close to it. But DeAndre Swift with Carrion healthy and Antonio Gibson with nobody getting hurt there, it, I'll take Antonio Gibson because that receiving, as we know, is so much more valuable in fantasy. Obviously, everything I'm talking about is PPR. And then J.K. Dobbins, one, the, the Ravens don't target their running backs. Two, they have him, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. Like, it's ridiculous how many people they have there. And then they have Lamar Jackson taking a 1,000 rushing yards a season away from the running backs. So, J.K. Dobbins ain't going to be doing nothing this year unless somebody gets hurt. DeAndre Swift is going to be okay, but eh, I don't really see him doing that much if Carrion doesn't get hurt. So, I'm going to take Antonio Gibson over those guys. Hot take 11. So, I mean, I probably should have touched this one up a little bit because now I'm sure everyone agrees with this. So I'll kind of just roll past it. But hot take 11 was Sony Michelle finishes outside the top 32 running backs in PPR. Now it's starting to look like he's going to get put on pup. So it's not really a hot take anymore. And obviously Lamar Miller was also signed. So this was, I wrote that obviously before any of those things happened. So it was more hot takey. Not so much anymore. Hot take number 12. This is the one you guys know me by. This is my identity this year. Tyler Boyd. He will finish the year as a top 12 wide receiver, a.k.a. a wide receiver one. Now, I do want to point out, as a side note, since he's being drafted as like the wide receiver 30, if you follow my advice and you take Tyler Boyd as your wide receiver three, even if you reach a round or even two rounds and he finishes, you know, as like wide receiver 20, I still, my advice still helped you. Even though my hot take is wrong, even though I have him projected, even if I have him projected way too high, he's projected as my wide receiver eight. I will take him... Ooh, do I want to say this? Because I know a lot of league mates, a lot of people that I haven't drafted with yet listen to this podcast. If I tell you exactly where I'll draft them, if they agree with me, if I've convinced them and swayed them over to my side, they will snipe me. So I'm not going to tell you exactly how high I would draft him, but I'll just say I would draft him much higher than where he's being drafted right now. His ADP is like round seven, sometimes round eight. I would draft him higher than that for sure. I always draft him higher than that. I'm not going to say exactly how high though, because I don't want to, you know, show all my cards to my league mates. Because I know last year, last year, I thought it wasn't going to be that big of a deal. I said everything 100% how I thought, which I mean, I still do now, but I'm just obviously leaving this part out purposely. But last year I didn't, and I got sniped so many times in so many leagues. And they would like laugh, like right when they took <laughs> took my guy right before me, they'd be like, LOL, Brandon. And I'm like, oh, you dirty dog. So I'm not going to say exactly how high I would get him, but I would get him pretty high. Tyler Boyd's going to be a top 12 receiver. They're going to throw the ball so much. He's the only slot receiver there. His role is safe. He's been a top five wide receiver in terms of points per game when he had AJ Green on the field as a starter. And now he has A.J. Green and T. Higgins there. They're going to help take pressure off Tyler Boyd. Joe Burrow is also way more accurate than the Andy Dalton that Tyler Boyd has been catching passes from the last two years. So there are so many things pointing to Tyler Boyd being a really good receiver in fantasy. He's super undervalued. Please, even if you think I'm insane for saying he's going to be top 12, he's definitely going to outperform massively his ADP. So please draft him. Hot take, excuse me, hot take number 13. Juju Smith-Schuster returns to the slot crushes there and finishes as the top 12 wide receiver. 
I know some of you guys actually agree with this, but there are a lot of people. Most people don't. Most people have him at like wide receiver 15. I think he's going to be top 12. I've said this a lot. Some of you guys already have heard it, but I had him projected as my wide receiver two last year with a league leading 180 something targets. But obviously we never got to see that, sorry, see that come to fruition because Big Ben got hurt and they're, then they added to their defense and became like a more run heavy team and whatnot. So all those things come into play this year, except the fact that Big Ben is back and it's much better quarterback play, but I don't think they're going to pass as much. That's why I have him as like wide receiver 11 or 10. Yeah, I have him at 10. Calvin Ridley's at 11 for me. I swapped them. It was Juju at 11 and Calvin Ridley at 10, but I swapped them because I think Juju has a higher floor. But um, yeah, so I think he's gonna be a top 12 receiver or very close to it. And I think he's also very good value, much like some other guys that we've talked about today. Then hot take number 14. And this is funny because I don't have either of these guys ranked super highly. Like I like them both. I think they're both going to be wide receiver twos, but some people have Robert Woods inside their top 12. I do not. I think Robert Woods finishes the season with more points than Cooper Cup. That's my hot take. It was, you know, this is like a 50-50 hot take. Like 50 people will... 50% of people will agree with me. The others won't. But I think Robert Woods finishes the season with more points than Cooper Cup. I have Robert Woods at like wide receiver 18, Cooper Cup at 20. So I have them actually really close to each other. And then I also have Tyler Higby high. Um, That's part of the reason why Woods and Cup are like neither of them are inside my top like 15 or top 12. Because I feel like most people have Woods or Cup inside their top 12. Like they'll have one of them there. But that's because most people aren't on the Higby side of things like I am. So I think Higby is going to be the one who, you know, basically causes them to not be either of them be elite. But I think we're going to have three really good options in that passing offense. Then hot take number 15, Cortland Sutton does not finish as a top 20 wide receiver. Everyone, uh, man, everyone, every time I they see my Cortland Sutton ranking, like him and Keenan Allen, every time somebody sees my rankings on those two guys, they always ask me about it. Um, the thing is, is... Jerry Judy is the most refined route runner to come in to the draft in probably like five, six years, and he's going to demand targets right away. Plus, they added KJ Hamler. Plus, they're going to be a run-heavy team with a really good defense. They're not going to pass a lot. Cortland Sutton is not a high-target guy. Last year, I mean, I have him getting more targets this year than last year, but just very minimally, and I do project him to be more efficient because Jerry Judy on the other side is going to help or in the slot where, like, any play, because they're going to move Jerry Judy around. Anywhere that he is, it's going to help Cortland Sutton. Same thing with KJ Hamler and his speed, kind of threatening the the backside of the defense. So I think Cortland Sutton's going to be good for the team. He's going to help them a lot. But when you have so many weapons on an offense that's not going to pass that much, it's hard for me to see you being a top 20 receiver. Maybe he finishes there, because as you guys have heard me say so many times, the wide receivers blend. Like, once you get outside, like, the top 10, top 12 wide receivers, the point differential between, like, wide receiver 15 and 25 is so minimal. Like, Terry McLaurin, once Kelvin Harmon went out, Terry McLaurin went from my wide receiver 25 to 17, and I only bumped him up by, like, 25 fantasy points. So, you know, it's very, like, very possible that he finishes inside the top 20, but as I have it projected, he's my wide receiver 30. Not super far in fantasy points away from top 20, but I think I like the guy's that I have ranked above him to finish above him. And those are all the guys that we've talked about, you know, Woods, Cup, McLaurin, Metcalf, Lockett, Chark, like all those guys, Cooper, 
AJ Brown, like all these guys, I have them ranked above Sutton. So I have Sutton outside of the top 20. Then I have two hot takes left. One, we kind of talked about a little bit, Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby will finish as a top five tight end. Now, I will say that I had him ranked above Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz. But then once Alshon got put on Pup, Zach Ertz moved in front of Higby because I gave him a few more targets, especially because he's like the mainstay in that offense, talking about Zach Ertz still. But I really, really buy into the Higby, Um, you know, the stretch. I don't think he's going to be that good. But I think when a player is that good, how do you not end up utilizing that player more? Also, Jared Goff was better. The whole offense was better once they switched to 12 personnel. And I really think that, you know, they're going to stick to it. They're going to stay in 12 personnel. And fun, fun note, I I poke fun at my friend uh, Laquan. Shout out to my my boy Laquan. Real deal fantasy on Twitter, but he he's a Rams fan and he me and him go back and forth all the time on uh Tyler Higby, and um he you know he thinks he's like there's no way he's on the side where like Everett was hurt that's the only reason Higby was good yada yada but I think that he was so much better than Everett like if you look at efficiency wise, um Tyler Higby his catch rate was way higher than Gerald Everett's his yards per target was way higher than Gerald Everett's. He was a better red zone threat than Gerald Everett. Like everything that Higby did was so much better than Everett. And so why would they not? Like they saw it. They saw it. So why would they not just commit to him now and be like, yeah, this is our guy, dude. Like we got to keep him here. So and like we got to keep him as the number one, the clear number one and target him a lot. So I think that, you know, I have him at like 135 targets. He was on pace for 166 in his stretch last year after Everett got hurt. Even if he doesn't get 130-something, if he's, like, at 115. Because I'd honestly be surprised if he's less than, like, 110 targets, especially with how much I think the Rams are going to have to throw the ball. I have him second in the league behind the Falcons in terms of pass attempts. So Higby is going to be great. I think he's a really good value. You're getting him in the seventh round, sometimes in the eighth, but usually in the seventh now because the Higby hype has gotten kind of high. Um, If you're in Yahoo, though, I will say, I haven't checked in a while, but the last time I checked, like, two or three weeks ago on Yahoo when I was drafting, doing mocks there, um, he was going in, like, the fifth round. I would not take him that high, but I would take him in the seventh round for sure. Usually, my, like, sixth, seventh round or seventh, eighth round ends up being Tyler Tyler back-to-back. Usually, I'm getting either Boyd or Higby in the seventh and then Boyd or Higby in either sixth or eighth, depending on how the draft's going, if I think I can push it and get them a little bit later. Then my last hot take, I don't even know why this is a hot take. Austin Hooper finishes outside the top 12 tight ends. Okay, first off, Austin Hooper is not going to be better than the Elite 3 being Ertz, Andrews, or sorry, the Elite 3 being Ertz, Kittle, Kelsey. He's not going to be better than Andrews. He's not going to be better than Evan Ingram. He's not going to be better, so that's already five. He's not going to be better than Hayden Hurst. He's not going to be better than six. Then um let's see I'm trying to give ones like I know who I have him ranked behind which is a lot of people I'm trying to think of guys that you guys would like agree with for sure um I'm sure you guys probably agree he's not gonna be better than Hunter Henry I'm sure you guys probably agree he's not gonna be better than hmm this is hard because like there's people are all over on tight ends Noah Fant that's already look that's already eight that's already eight tight ends and there's so many more that I didn't say. There's Johnny Smith, TJ Hawkinson, Blake Jarwin, Robert Gronkowski, Greg Olson. There's so many, so many guys that I haven't even mentioned. Tyler Higby. So I really don't see any way he finishes inside the top 12 because the Browns face, whether you like it or not, they're, and like I was talking about Chubb and Hunt, 
Oh, and also, I, I wanted to say, so Chubb, I have him ranked at, like, RB18. Well, guess who my RB23 or 24 is? It's Kareem Hunt. I really think that their running game is going to be great for fantasy. It's just going to be split so much between the two that I think Hunt is a value, whereas Chubb is overdrafted. But with that said, the Vikings last year, where Stefanski came from, ran the ball 51% of the time. The Browns ran 43% of the time. And they also only had Kareem Hunt for half the season. So... Now they have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb both together for the whole season, and their their coach, the guy who's going to be calling plays, came from a offense with a, you know, running back who's very good and elite, Dalvin Cook, but had injury risk written all over him and still ran the ball that much. I think it's very plausible to think that the Browns are close, somewhere close to fifty percent of the time running the ball. If that's true, and then you have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, who were among the league leaders in terms of wide receiver duos target share because they combined for a little over 50% of the target share last year in the passing game. If they stay the same, if they keep that type of target share, which I think they will, and then you're only throwing the ball like 520-ish times, Austin Hooper is not going to have a lot of targets waiting for him because there's also targets going to Chubb and Hunt. And so now you have like about 120 targets to go around between Austin Hooper, David Njoku, and whoever the third receiver ends up being, whether it's Rashad Higgins or Donovan Peoples-Jones, and then like all the other like, you know, random like five, six, ten targets that go to like random players that barely get used. So it's hard for me to see him getting a lot of a lot of targets, period. So that's all of the hot takes. We're going to run through them real quick, starting off with Tyra Taylor. Tyra Taylor starts all season for the Chargers, finishes the year as a top 12 quarterback. Joe Burrow has to throw the ball around 600 times, somewhere between 575 and 625, and finishes as a top 12 quarterback. Minshew plays great and finishes in the top 12, but also gets the Jaguars to commit to him as the future. Tom Brady leads the league in touchdown passes. Aaron Rodgers finishes outside the top 12 quarterbacks. Drew Locke plays well, but throws the ball so little he finishes outside the top 20 quarterbacks. Le'Veon sees efficiency spikes with the Jets' offensive upgrades and is a borderline RB1. Nick Chubb is ruined by Kareem Hunt's receiving chops and finishes outside the top 12 running backs. Ronald Jones is the lead back in Tampa and finishes as a RB2. Antonio Gibson has more fantasy points in his rookie season than DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins. Sony Michelle finishes outside the top 32 running backs in PPR. Tyler Boyd finishes the year as a top 12 wide receiver, a.k.a. a wide receiver one. Juju Smith-Schuster returns to the slot and crushes there, finishing as a top 12 wide receiver. Robert Woods finishes the season with more points than Cooper Cup. Cortland Sutton does not finish as a top 20 wide receiver. Tyler Higby finishes as a top 5 tight end. And Austin Hooper finishes outside of the top 12 tight ends. That's the hot takes for you guys. With that said, the last thing I want to say before I let you guys go is, you know, once again, check out the free draft sheets, but we already talked about that kind of in the middle of the podcast. If you guys like the podcast, please leave me a rating or review. The rating takes like five seconds. You just press a star amount and the review, you know, if you want to leave me some kind words, it's much appreciated. If not, you know, it is what it is. Maybe I could convince you on the next podcast. But also the last thing is, um, you know, word of mouth, spread Spread the uh, spread the knowledge to your to your buddies. I know we all all of us that are listening to this podcast are you know avid fantasy football fans, and this is a podcast that is you know kind of on the down low. It's kind of an underground podcast right now, and so if you're listening to this, I know you're one of the guys that has like eight leagues and plays with a million people. And if that's the case, then you got plenty of people to reach out to. 
Like, or even if it's, you know, guys that you're not playing with, I know that fantasy is part of your life, big part of your life, and you talk about it all the time. So any of your buddies that you talk with that you're not in a league, if you don't want to, you know, compete with the information, if you want to keep my information to yourself, just reach out to them and be like, yo, you know, I got my boy. He's awesome. His name's Brandon. He, you know, is on the download right now, but he gives some great advice out there, man. And you should check him out because if you do that, Every one of you guys gets one person listen. It doubles my listeners. And I've already started to see, since I asked you guys to just reach out to one person, my listens are already starting to go up. So I super, super appreciate all of you guys that have done that. Please continue doing that for me. Help a boy out as I'm trying to help you guys out with my fantasy advice. Thank you guys for listening. This is Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Peace.